We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And after being sidelined for 28 days, where he missed 13 games over that stretch, Carl Anthony Towns did return to the lineup for the Timberwolves on Wednesday night against the Clippers. And Towns had a double-double in 31 minutes. Uh, the Wolves did still lose, 119 to 112. Um, we're going to talk about that game tonight, obviously, and we'll hit on a lot of a lot of cat on tonight's pod. I mean, we'll get into some of the details that came out post game related to his recovery from COVID. Uh, he he spoke to the media for like twenty five minutes post game. So I'll try and pick a clip or two from that to share with y'all. Um, but I also do want to just focus on. I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm I'm excited to start talking about the impact of cat from a basketball standpoint. So this is a you know, this is as good time as any to reflect on you know what's transpired over the. The first 24 games of the season, obviously 20 without Cat, and you know to kind of take that and and make some expectations for what these remaining 47 games are going to be like. Cat's uh, presence will obviously you know force the way this team plays to change, and that's going to present some adjustments for his teammates. I think we saw that tonight with Malik Beasley, who went scoreless in the first half. You know after having been the Wolves' leading scorer the entire time Cat was out. Um, you know, so it's 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 time to start thinking about those changes. But before we get to the Cat stuff, I think the, the place to start as, you know, these, these gamer pods are about the game, and I think the place to start tonight is with the game is, is just to talk about what I thought was a very correctable error in the rotations against the Clippers that I felt might have cost the Wolves the game tonight. Um I mean, I know for those of you who've been listening to the pod, I 
I do. I always get labeled as you know the Ryan, the Ryan apologist. Um, I've been quicker to blame the roster construction and the execution of the players than I have been to heap blame on on Saunders. And, and you know, and I stand by a lot of that. I, I still think the quality and imbalance of this roster and just how clearly lost a lot of the young players are. You know, I I, I do believe personally, honestly, that that's that's the biggest reason this team has six wins right now. But I do think. At the same time, I thought tonight highlighted a real coaching decision error by Saunders. And and that was just continuing to play Josh Akogi after the Clippers began leaving Akogi wide open on the perimeter. Uh, the offense just completely cratered when the Wolves spacing got wrecked in, in the second half when they did that. It, I mean, if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. It was you know, the, didn't need to be a basketball coach to, to see this. I mean, in the third quarter, Serge Ibaka, who was guarding Akogi, just – camped out in the lane and left he left the Kogi wide open and obviously Ibaka's presence there in the lane made it really easy for them to double cat anytime you know cat was going to get a touch or just denied cat a touch in the first place and even not related to cat it just clogged the lane which prevented there from being any space for Anthony Edwards or whoever else to drive so the whole the third quarter there the offense was just low percentage three after low percentage three because the Clippers were literally funneling everything to the wide open Akogi. And, I mean, I just went back and watched it. The Wolves scored two points in the first six minutes of the third quarter until, until, Cordy, in the third quarter until Akogi was pulled. Two points and 12 offensive possessions. The first was, you know, Cat was double on the block. So there was nowhere for Malik Beasley to go. He shot a three and missed it. Next possession, Akogi's wide open in the corner. Gets the ball, misses a three. Next possession, swing to the corner. Okogi tries to dribble through because he doesn't want to shoot it. He gets the top of the key, passes it to Ricky, who passes it back to him because he's wide open. Josh tries to drive. He gets blocked. He grabs his rebound, gets blocked again. Same thing again. Next possession, he's left wide open above the break. Abaka's just sitting in the lane, so Beasley forces up a three, misses it. Sixth possession. Okogi's left wide open in the corner, gets past the ball there again, misses another three. Seventh possession, he's left wide open above the break, um, swings the ball to a Beasley. Beasley tries to drive into the lane, but Abaka's there, and so Beasley misses the layup. Eighth possession, again, Josh is left wide open in the corner. Ant starts thinking about driving, but Abaka's in the lane, so he misses a three. He takes a three and misses it. Ninth possession, again, Akogi left wide open in the corner. Leads to a Beasley missed three. Tenth possession, Akogi is wide open above the break. Um, he passes the ball to Rubio, who actually threw an alley-oop to Cat, and that was the first bucket of the third quarter. Ten possessions into, you know, into, the, <laughs> into that half. Eleventh possession, wide open above the break. Ant- Anthony Edwards tries to drive into the lane where there's a bunch of bodies. He turns the ball over. 12th possession, Josh is again wide open above the break, drives into the lane, misses a layup, and Saunders pulls him. 12 possessions, two points. So if you're Saunders or if you're any basketball coach here and you see this happening, you, you kind of have two, two choices, right? You have the choice to, one, pull a Kogi right away, just not wanting to, to play that game. Or, as they did, you can try to exploit that open space. You, with, you can have a Kogi take open threes that you hope he makes. Or you can hope that he takes advantage of the open space in the lane for penetration. They obviously didn't pull a Kogi's. They chose the latter option there. 
And, you know, I, I think to some extent that's defensible to try, but it clearly didn't work. You know, Kogi showed he could not exploit the open space. The Wolves, you know, they were up by six at halftime. So when the third quarter starts, they're up by six. And then after five minutes and 51 seconds, when Saunders finally pulled a Kogi for McDaniels, they're down by five. And the Clippers never look back. Okay, so you tried. Sure. I, I you know, I kind of get that. I would probably be somewhat tempted to take open threes too myself. But it didn't work. And then they went back to Okogi in the fourth quarter in the same situation. You can't try that again. I mean, Okogi, Okogi came back with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter to, you know, to close the game. And the Clippers again left him wide open and the lead ballooned again. Okogi was out there for five minutes before Saunders again had to pull him for McDaniels. He lost the game. You know, I mean, when things don't make sense to me, I try to play devil's advocate with myself. And the only thing I could come to is the idea of closing with a Kogi there in the fourth is is prioritize, prioritizing the value of defense, you know, under the premise that a Kogi is the best option the Wolves have to throw at Kawhi Leonard defensively, right? But that logic just misses me, though, when you're down by nine, when you brought a Kogi back in. I mean, maybe if you have the lead or if it's a tie game, you prioritize defense there. Maybe. But when you know you're down by nine points and you know Okogi's presence will create your offense's potential, I don't know. I just I don't I don't get it. And the thing that really irks me is I'm watching this happen. I kept thinking about that Golden State game. The same thing happened in the beginning of the third quarter of the Golden State game where Draymond and the Warriors just left Okogi wide open. And the same thing happened. And the Warriors let him shoot, let him shoot, let him do whatever. And by the end of the third quarter, the Warriors are now up by 20. And that functionally ended that game. The thing with Josh Okogi is he needs to be considered both someone who is at times very valuable and also someone who is occasionally unplayable. He is sometimes valuable. We've seen that, right? I mean, there's been times where Okogi has contributed to winning. But you got to be able to discern the line there. And that's on Saunders. The idea that he is going to make the shot so that it is going to work, that is not. That is not where the safe money is. And making matters worse, I think, is that McDaniels is pretty clearly becoming a better and better option game after game. And to continue to blur that line when McDaniels is a better option, blurring that line with a Kogi, I just don't think that's... That's very defensible at all. You know, to me, there's a difference between just pinning the blame on Saunders, you know, every time the Wolves don't execute and they blow a lead, as obviously that's happened a lot this year. I mean, I, I think this, like, you want to put blame on that? Sure, that's that's one category. I'm not all the way in on that. This is different. This is, this is on the coach. I mean, if the players aren't matching up on defense and they're not executing, they're not running the plays on offense – that's on the coaches too, but mostly it's on the players for not executing it. This, this decision is totally coaching. This feels like signing up for putting your team at a disadvantage. I, I, I know, I understand there are limited options on this roster to play power forward. And then it's obviously a frustration of Saunders. But just square pegging with a Kogi, it's, it's not going to cut it. We know that sometimes that peg just does not, it, it doesn't fit. You got to pull it. I, you know, I'll also say this. I try any time on the pod that if I'm, you know, bashing 
something a player did or a concept of one of the, the, co- not the coaches, the coach. I try and ask the player or the coach to explain what they saw, you know, and why they chose to do what they did. You know, and sometimes that's what's happened for me is that explanation is clarified things. I'm not a basketball coach or an NBA player, and I they explain something and bashing deleted. I don't bring it up on the pod. I, I mean, I think those of you who listen to this pod, when I do that, I consistently, I mean, you know what, you know what I do? Then I ask the player, then I play the clip. But I, I wasn't called on to ask questions after tonight's game, so I literally, I literally couldn't do that. Um, Josh Okoge asked, or not Josh Okoge, John Krasinski asked Saunders about Josh Okoge, and 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 kind of similar to what I would have asked. So I'll play that clip for you here. And I, one of the adjustments it looked like the Clippers made coming out in the second half, they were basically daring Josh to shoot. How do you kind of balance, you know, wanting to have him play with confidence, but also when the defense is clearly geared that way and he's not knocking those down, it kind of can have an effect on the rest of what you're doing. Uh, it definitely did. It definitely did. In that situation, you know, we need guys to make shots. Um, you know, we love Josh for what he, what he can bring to us on the defensive end, especially too. But, um, you know, we need, we need to be able to make guys pay when they, when they do that. Um, but it also, you know, it can turn into a drive and kick situation, um, you know, for the rest of the group. You do need to be able to make teams pay for that, as Saunders said. But I just don't think the Wolves have the personnel to punish that if Akogi's on the floor. I mean, Akogi missed all six of his shots in the second half tonight. He's now shooting 20% from three on the season and 44% from two. The only player in the NBA who's shooting a lower percentage on catch-and-shoot threes this season than Akogi is Alexa Pokashevsky. And that's after last season. We know this about Josh, right? He, he ranked dead last in the NBA in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage last year. And that's only because Pokashevsky was 17 years old playing in the Greek B League or whatever it was. I mean, this can be true about... I'm I'm pretty bullish on Akogi as a defender, and I actually think he can be a solid player overall. I think he should be in the rotation going forward. But in these situations where the opponent is showing their hand, I think he absolutely... Josh's value is deleted. And I thought, I just thought this was pretty bad tonight. All right, let's get to Cat. He, he came back and we'll, we'll roll through what he had to say. And then, yeah, just some basketball related stuff with him after a quick break. What's up, everybody? We have something to tell you about here at Blue Wire, and that is that we love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors, and that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Pro, Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the way to get started. And For a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com 
and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code MORE50, M-O-O-R-E-5-0. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Again, Carl Anthony Towns played in his first game in nearly a month tonight. Uh, as he clarified for us tonight, it sounds like his bout with COVID-19 uh, appeared to have been one of the more, if not the most serious case of any NBA player this season. Uh, like I said, Kat spoke for about 25 minutes post-game about it. So if you're looking for his full comments on you know on what he went through, um, go to YouTube for that. It's, it's all up there, I'm sure. Um, but this is probably the most concise clip I can grab that both touches on what Carl was dealing with, both physically and emotionally, over this time. You talk about getting through this process. We really haven't heard much from you in about a month. What has this month been like for you personally? It's, it's, it's kind of hard to put in words, but um, I've just been focusing on um, on me. You know, um, I've been here six years, and every single time it became a decision of doing what's best for me and what's best for the team and this organization. I've always picked this team and this organization. And at one point, I got to start thinking for myself and taking care of myself. And obviously getting COVID uh, stopped everything in its tracks and uh, left me with a decision. And I picked, you know, my family. Um, you know, this is something, you know, I'm a high risk case. Um, COVID did not treat me well whatsoever. Um, a lot of scary nights. Um, my dad called me 24 um, seven. What I said in my post at the end was the, the kids, the, I think everyone who's on this knows me very well. I, I called my niece and nephew, my kids mostly, as my sister is a single parent and, um, you know, they, one of the things when I told my sister that I got COVID was, um, you know, that, you know, uh, hey, you know, I got it. And I, I don't got a good version of it. I got a lot of COVID in me, but, you know, I'm a fight and I'm going to beat it. And I remember the kids are in the, in the, um, in the FaceTime. And then uh, that's what led me into my last part of the, what I posted was um, <clears throat> they thought that they started crying and I said, Jelani, you know, Mac, why, why are you crying? Don't cry. Uncle's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And they were saying how, you know, kids don't know a little bit how to like understand the magnitude of it. And they, um, they, I remember one of the first things they told me was Jelani was like, that's what grandma said, AKA my mom. So I was like, oh, you know, don't, don't say that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat it. You know, grandma taught me how to beat it and what I got to do and science is better now and stuff. And she started, kept crying. And, and they, that's what I, what I said in the last part, when I said about ending up in a box next to grandma, that was for Jelani and Max, cause they do um, take notice of what I say on my Instagram and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I said that because I wanted them to know that uh, the world knows and I know that I made them a promise that I'm gonna be fine and I'm gonna make it through. And, through all the long nights and nights where I just was not feeling well whatsoever and the vitals weren't good and uh, decisions had to be made on my health. Um, I kept them in mind, you know, they pushed me to uh, continue doing things. And, you know, when COVID kept messing with my body and my mind and my spirit, I just thought about them. I thought about my mother. I spent a lot of time in that house. No sound, no visuals, no TV, just me and 
looking at a, a memorial of my mom in my house and spending time and really, I guess you could say, building my spirit up. As I think you could tell from that clip, there was, <laughs> there was a lot shared from Carl tonight. I had to pick a place to cut it off there. But again, if you want his full comments, go to YouTube. Um, in that clip, though, I, I do think we, we now have some evidence that this was a more pervasive case of COVID. You know, that's just kind of the fact of the matter. But at the end of the day, I think it's just good news to know that uh, he has at least overcome the initial physical toll of the virus. I mean, in the game, Cat did seem, I mean, or he didn't seem to be held back physically. He played 31 minutes. And in no point of his post-game comments did he say anything about feeling tired or any sort of ill effects from the game. So I think that's obviously a big win. And it's also a sign that he's back. I mean, he's again part of the Timberwolves equation when we're talking about this team going forward. His wrist cast was off too, so he just appears, and I don't want to say 100%, but he seems you know good to go. Obviously, there's going to be an adjustment period for him, just like there would be for any player returning from any month-long injury. But from a basketball standpoint, I think that adjustment might be felt on this team more by those around him than in Cat himself. I mean, Cat's going to do his thing. Like, he's a walking double-double and a near you know, guarantee to shoot 40% from three on high volume. But playing around that, you know, sometimes it's, it's tricky to play around a really good player. You got to get used to it. And for the new players on this team, that's going to be a new experience. I mean, we often make a, a huge deal over the fact that Cat and D'Lo have only played five games together, you know, since D'Lo was acquired. But the same is true for me, Malik Beasley. Tonight was only the seventh game Towns and Beasley have played together. I mean, those two after, t- including tonight, where they played like 27 minutes together, I think, um, they've still only shared the floor for 185 total minutes in two seasons. I mean, that's, I just looked this up. I mean, that's the same amount of minutes Jeff Teague and Noah Vonley played together last season. Not a lot. And then you include D'Angelo Russell into that mix, and the trio of Cat, Malik, and D'Lo have only shared the floor for 103 minutes over two seasons. That's the same amount of time Jordan McLaughlin, Anthony Edwards, and Jaden McDaniels have shared the floor this season. McLaughlin, Edwards, and McDaniels. I mean, again, just not a lot. And I don't I, – I, I'm not saying that to make excuses for those three going forward. Like, the opposite. They got to be good right away. That's the expectation. I mean, I'm saying this to bring up the idea that it's all starting now. You know, it's time to go. It's it's time to see what those three are. Like, we are – we're in a new window here. I mean, this is the next domino in the Timberwolves rebuild, and it's a big one. We're going to learn a lot here. I, I think, you know, and I think tonight was a good example of that they got to iron things out quick. There's no reason Malik Beasley should have gone scoreless in the first half. I mean, Cat and Malik, they need to – I mean, they're probably the two best players on this team. They need to synergize. And shout out Nas Reed. You know, he had a good game, but Nas Reed can't be your leading scorer like he was tonight. That should not be happening anymore. It's you got your core back whenever D'Lo's back. (laughs) I mean, and with that, it's time for the supplemental guys to be the supplemental guys. And for me, I mean, I, I, I personally look forward to that. This whole bottom falling out stuff should be over. That's not the same. They're going to lose games by 20 points, you know, here and then, but not in the way that they have. I mean, I, I was thinking about this. I'll, I'll run this by you and you can guess or think out loud in your head what your answer would be. But if you go back in time, you know, back before the season started, 
and somebody told you that Cat was going to miss 20 of the first 24 games, what do you think their record would have been? They actually went 6-18. and eight, or six and 18. What do you think their actual record would have been? For me, I, I honestly think if you would have told me then that Cat would have mi- would miss 20 of the first 24 games, I think I would have bet on six or seven wins about what's happened. What? I, I just don't think this win total is surprising given, you know, the inexperience and just lack of talent on the team. What I think has been surprising and the difference that I'm trying to highlight here is that I have been shocked by how dysfunctional this 6-18 and 18 has been. That's not what I would have guessed. And as I think about the season going forward, I think that dysfunction is going to go away. Now, I'm not saying that means a lot of wins. That These are different things. I'm not even expecting 500 basketball going forward. But because, like, right, like, think about it. What would have we thought the Wolves record would have been so far this year had we known Cat would have been healthy the whole time? You know, he would have played 22 of the 24 games and, like, rested twice. I mean, going into the season, what what would have we expected the Wolves record to be? Not 500, right? I mean, I probably would have said 10 and 14, 11 and 13. Well, what's So what's the difference there? I mean, play this out, right? Like, that's four games. That's not that different in terms of record. I don't know. Maybe you disagree with those win totals or you know, whatever. <laughs> you said yours out loud, but that's not even the point I'm trying to make. I'm, it's my point is that that the path to ten and fourteen or eleven and thirteen would not have felt anywhere as dysfunctional as these two months have felt. It would have felt like normal, mediocre basketball. Maybe we would have been talking about, well, you know, what's the ceiling of Cat and Dilo? But it would have been, it would have felt normal and. I just think normalcy has should be a baseline going forward, right? Mediocrity. And who knows, maybe it'll be better than that. That's how baselines work, right? That's a floor. You know, what I'm what I'm looking forward to in a baseline of mediocrity is the notion that you know, we can actually begin gathering information now. We shouldn't we shouldn't throw out and ignore the poor start to the season or, you know, or the good things that happened. I mean, there's been there's been interesting things along the way. I mean, Ant, McDaniels, Vanderbilt, stuff like that. I mean, those numbers count too. Absolutely. But we're about what we're about to gather going forward is going to be far more relevant to the grand design of whatever the hell is getting built here. I mean, are we going to still come on here for the rest of the season and have conversations about what went wrong on a given night? Of course. But that's normal. <laughs> that's part of the process. You win some and you lose some. I, the difference now I mean, is the winsome part. <laughs> like that's going to be part of the equation. You know what's going to be able to happen now with this dysfunction removed, if I'm right, is that we're going to be able to talk about a third quarter where a run of stuff that worked actually happened. I'm going to be able to list off twelve possessions where this pairing or that pairing played well, or this play type or that p- play type ended up contributing to the win. I'm not going to. I don't want to just come on here and only break down when the rotation didn't work or when the late game offense broke down. Like I'd way rather talk about the inverse of that. It just hasn't really happened this year. You know, there going forward, there should be not just on this podcast, but I know you all got your Timberwolves group messages or whatever. You should be able to send a text talking about what went right occasionally now for the rest of the season. 
and I mean, if you're still watching this right now, we, you know, we need that. Like we need some mediocrity. And so I I look forward to it. You know, I very much realize whatever these past three, four minutes of what I've been saying could look very stupid in a couple of weeks because betting that the Timberwolves won't be dysfunctional doesn't have a great track record, but I'm trying to see. And honestly, I think it will be. I mean, I, I, I think that I think it is time for glass half full. But, you know, to be determined. A little programming note before I let you go. Um, this week's pod with Brit uh, won't be publishing until Saturday morning. I know those have been normally going up on Thursdays just due to some uh, scheduling stuff. We're not recording until Friday afternoon. Um, so what I'm going to do is plug that onto the back end. I'm going to do a little a short like gamer pod off of the the game on Friday against Charlotte and the mellow ball. Cause I want to, I want to be able to have some sort of reaction to what happened there. So I'll do like eight, 10 minutes on that. And then I'll tack on uh, my conversation from Brit earlier in the day onto that. So the next pod you can expect will be coming um, on Saturday morning. It'll be a jumbo sort of lamel, lamel, <laughs> lamello and ant gamer uh, plus a Brit pod for the weekend. So let's start doing some normal stuff. You know, time to, how many times have I said weird when talking about this team over the past few weeks? I mean, time to cut some of the weird stuff out, you know, and there's a lot of season left. I mean, it sounds insane to say out loud and quite frankly, a little scary considering I have to do a pod after every game, but the Timberwolves still have 47 games left to play this season. 47. That's, that's D'Angelo Russell's usage rate in clutch time, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. It's going to be better than the first 25 games. I mean, it by default almost has to be. So I will talk to you all on Saturday morning. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like